You have to cut this out, oh, Richard. You have to cut this out. On. So, all right, here we go. And three, seven, two, eighteen. That's not helpful. All right, we're pausing for a second, Richard, because I have to deal with the cat. So much cat. No, no. Meow. We we need to do introductions. We need to introduce this thing. Is this the f- yeah. third or the, the fourth one? I think. Oh, oh wow! It's been a while. So I th- I'm pretty sure it's number three. I might be wrong. We might have to ask one of our many fans. <laughs> All right. Um, Maybe we should do both just in case. Oh, okay. We'll do. Let's, let's assume it's number three. Don't worry about it. I can fix it in post. Okay. What Jim means to say is that he'll ask me to fix it in post. And in point of fact, this is episode four. Okay. Uh, and remind me what these are called again. Does these, this podcast uh, have a title? It's just the Twist and Shout podcast. I think last time we commented okay. on what a dull title that was. And we were going to work yes. on it and come up with a new one. So how did that go? You were, we were. We were going to come up with a better name for this podcast. Yeah, we and were. has that happened? No. Uh, a, a, for, a, that a, a for effort, E for attainment. That's okay. <laughs> good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, whatever time it may be, wherever you may be listening to this, the Twist and Shout podcast. I am Rob McCollum, coming to you not at all live from Dallas, Texas, and joining me from our London branch is Jim Shields, somewhere in Soho, right? That's right. I am uh, staying in town because I'm seeing customers for a couple of days. So I'm right in the heart of Soho in London, in theatre land, uh, land of the drag queen. What a surprise. And the thespian. What a surprise. Well, it has been a while since we've had time to do one. We have been just rammed, as you say, uh, in in the UK. We've been incredibly busy this year. I can't believe it's already to uh, mid-year. And we're finally getting around to putting together some of these interviews that we've been recording for the last year um, yeah. for this podcast. That's right. So we have a lot to t- we have a lot to talk about this time. We do. We have a, whole, a ton to catch up with. There's new productions. There's new published products. There's uh, a really exciting new uh, client that we have that I may or may not be able to talk about. I've just realized. But anyway, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm gonna part say in- no. I'm gonna say we'll no. Get- no, no, no. Okay. Well, we'll do it in mime then. People can just use their imagination. <laughs> and mime works great on the radio. Yeah. Who are we going to uh, hear from this time? Right. Um, first up is a guy who I met in Prague uh, on an event that we were doing to promote our series Tuesdays with Bernie. And his name is Adam Turteltaub. I think that's a Dutch name, but he is an American and he works um, as a volunteer for the Society for Corporate Compliance and Ethics. He is on their committee. S-E-C-E. That's correct. And he um, was very kind and gave me an interview while we were in Prague. We had a little downtime. Uh, and he talks, uh, he talks about how important it is to, to um, engage employees and get them to do the right thing when the time comes. I think we need to change the perception that compliance done once a year in terms of training is a good answer. Dan Ariely, who wrote the really excellent book that I recommend to everyone, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty, talks about how a moral reminder has a tremendous impact, but it has a very short half-life. And I honestly think what we need to do is think of ways to keep messages in front of people all the time. That you look for the small, continuous reminders to people that the organization is serious about these its commitment to following the law and reminding them what it is. 
when you train someone, you say, okay, now you have to make an ethical decision. Well, when they're at work, they may not realize it's an ethical decision. They may not realize it's a compliance decision. Somebody asks for X and they're making a decision and not realizing necessarily what the larger context is. So to the extent that we can help people understand and be uh, that there are decisions being made in a larger context and reminding them of what they are, we can hopefully push the pause button and get them to stop before they make the seemingly simple discussion decision that's actually a very dangerous decision. I think there's a lot you can learn from marketers. And uh, the reality is one of the things that's very good about marketing when it's done right, it's about taking a product, a service, a brand, and making it relevant for people, making them care, helping them understand I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to help solve a problem you have and give you something that's going to make you, your life better in some way, whether it's physically or emotionally. And one of the truisms in advertising is it's most effective if you can sell to the heart and the head. Give them an emotional attachment to something and a good rational reason for why they should do it. It would be good if compliance and ethics training could work as well so that people would understand that, to understand the fact that, look, I'm not saying you can't do this. I'm saying to you, you don't want to go to jail. And so I'm preventing you from going to jail or I'm preventing you from ending your career or better yet is to say, I'm helping you enjoy the rest of your life as a free man. I'm helping you enjoy an ever-increasing career. If we can get people to turn around, the hard part is, look, nobody likes being told what they're doing is wrong or they can't do what they want to. No one ever thanks the police officer for giving them a ticket for speeding because everyone thinks, yes, I'm going over the speed limit, but I'm still in control. But that is what they're doing, and it's the same thing with compliance. If we can get people to start realizing, gee, I just got saved by compliance, even before, I would never have thought that that would be a problem. I'm glad I know this before I get faced with this. We're doing great stuff for people. It's just hard for us because what we're asking people to do regularly is admit they're wrong, admit that things may not be as good as they think. And it's tough because you're asking people to give up something that they want. The hard part with comedies. Well, there's several hard parts of it is, you know, one, getting it right, obviously, is hard. You know, if a joke misses, especially on a sensitive issue, it looks really bad. There are always going to be people who are going to say, oh, no, you should never make fun of that or laugh at that. And then the other hard part is a practical matter for when it comes to any kind of compliance training is most jokes are only funny once. And by the second time, it's a little tough. So you have to know you may be able to give a more factual piece of training more than once to the same audience. Comedy by the, has a much lesser impact the second time. With that said, though, um, it's a great way to get people to laugh at themselves and to look at what their own shortcomings are in a much safer way than if you were to ever look them in the eye and say, have you ever done this? You know, uh, no, no, I was, you know, you get defensive versus showing somebody doing the thing that we've all done a thousand times. So that was recorded live in Prague uh, at the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics European event. Um, and uh, Adam, uh, Adam and I. It sounds sourced... like a wild time, I got to say. The, the oh, it was great. Ethics, 
events are probably just crazy. <laughs> those people. <laughs> well, interesting story. I got to present at this event uh, and it was very cool because I was on after lunch. Everyone had had a big lunch and they were tired and they were ready to go home. It was on the last day. And so I, I was I was put on a bit like they put on the cuddly panda story at the end of the news, you know, to perk things up a little bit. Um, and I had you are the you are the cuddly <laughs> panda of the ethics world, Jim. I've I always I, thought that. I think so. It's not the first time that's been mentioned. And um, <laughs> and and then um, in in the room, I spoke to about I'd say about three hundred um, compliance officers, which sounds like a dry room, but they were hilarious and they were really great. They came with me on a little comedy journey, and I made them all laugh. So uh, that was a result for me. I was very happy with that presentation. Uh, and they do have a sense of humor, despite what everybody says. Ain't no party like a compliance conference party, because a compliance conference party is all reported to HR appropriately. And of course it is. And yes, absolutely. And that's, so that's the impression we got. All right. So one of the things Adam mentioned there was, uh, was using comedy to engage and make it more memorable. That is, of course, something that we in Twist and Shout believe in very, very uh, dearly and have kind of built our entire <clears throat> universe around that idea that making it memorable and and comedic is important and as we often tell our clients it's about like hey what works in commercials what works in sitcoms what works in television let's make that work in your corporate communications which is a great segue to joel harrison one of these interviews you said we've been sitting on for a while waiting to share with our podcast fans that's right he talks about uh, the relationship between business to business marketing and the techniques that up until now or until recently have really only been used in business to consumer marketing so where nike or coca-cola might make you know a series of entertaining short films or a commercial series that has characters you can relate to and identify with or produce a music track that the whole world falls in love with um, those are seen as consumer goods type uh, activities, whereas um, more and more in business to business marketing, people are realizing that, you know, uh, it's still a human being at the end of the line making the decision to buy. And we have to get an emotional connection. What you often, what you typically find in B2B companies is that marketing is subsidiary to sales. Um, and, and therefore, it's always playing catch up with sales and, and it doesn't have the clout or the confidence to do the things that it should do in a way that it should do them. Um, so that, that explains why marketing is on the back foot in some situations. The, the, I think the issue has to be that branding has to be flexible enough to accommodate um, the, the need to be interesting and approachable and empathetic. And yet I don't think a lot of brands know how to be robust, serious, aloof, secure and stable and yet be fun and interesting and engaging at the same time that's the that's the problem and so and i, I always think that the, if they get around i don't know it's like campaign-based communications tends to try and minimize the brand doesn't it and and boost up whatever theme they're going on it's visibility visibility in marketing is i think is a really i'm really interested in that at the moment because the guys who um the guys who like to say no to stuff don't see what's going on, on social media because they're not on it Right, so therefore you can get away with a whole lot of stuff. And they, they don't think it's important. Um, they, mm -hmm. they, they want, they, they'll, they'll probably, if they're going to want to see something, they'll want to know what your, your, your Heathrow advertising campaign looks like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, that, so there is this, so, that, and I think it's the, it's the lunatics taking over the asylum. You know, there's this, you know, if you take your, your typical kind of 
global ink marketing company and you originally think okay let's do social let's, let's give the intern some social media right and then and then the intern grows up and becomes an exec and then they become a marketing then they come as a social media manager and then gradually then they're the training everyone in the organization how to do social media and gradually you know advertising was this and social media was this and then what it's it's mm-hmm. doing that he it's says like, what's yeah. what's the um, what's the kind of sound the audio description yeah. the equivalent of swapping sound <laughs> raising one hand <laughs> higher and lower the, Back to your point you made just now, though. The other thing you talked about um, the the role of the tech people within that, and I think that it is actually it's the technology people that are drive. That are, not only is it coming from youth and from mature mature evolution of the marketing function, it's also coming from yeah you know, that the geeks shall inherit the earth. You know that the technology guys are te- technology as a as a as an industry is really important. You know, they pioneer behaviours. They 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 make things acceptable, which gradually filter through the corporate world. And what you, and you see that filter. You know that that language. You know, you'd originally ten years ago, we'd use that language to talk to those guys and those guys only. Now that gradually permeates because the C suite and those companies do it, and it's seen as acceptable and understood. Yeah. Okay, so thank you, Joel Harrison, for sitting down with me and giving me that great interview. Um, uh, Rob, what did you think? I, it's fascinating. B2B Magazine is great. If you guys don't uh, subscribe, you can find it online or in newsstands. Do they still have newsstands? They, you guys uh, still have newsstands. I don't even know if we do in the U.S. Oh, no, we anyway, do. We have, find we have a little old guy in the street. <laughs> hey, this is Rob McCollum. I am the U.S. Creative Director of Twist and Shout Communications, one of the writers of Restricted Intelligence all of the years and the newly formed Restricted Intelligence Privacy Edition. Privacy. Soon to come out and uh, be available on a laptop near you. Um, one of the stars of that production, as well as all of the restricted intelligence, is going all the way back to season two. Ian Sinclair, the multifaceted, multi talented, triple threat actor, dancer, singer that, <laughs> <laughs> that plays the character of Ian. Ian. So, Ian, you play Ian. I do. How is what's what's what was it like playing a character that uh, is named the same as you? You know, it's <laughs> handy. You never have to go through that moment on set where you know they're they're going to be like Nathaniel, and everybody keeps yelling Nathaniel, and you're sitting there at the craft services with turkey in your mouth, and you and you didn't know that everybody's yelling at you. Uh, so no, I didn't have to deal with that. It's it's pretty straightforward. It may have been constructed that way just to prevent just to do that. that. <laughs> I will say it then occasionally does confuse me, with, uh, or it did early on because I didn't know uh, if somebody was their name or whether that was their character's name because everybody else had two and you I only d- had I one. No. <laughs> So, so what was it like getting into this? Tell me about this guy for someone that hasn't seen it. Now, I don't imagine anyone's going to listen to this podcast that is not also a fan of restricted intelligence. That but would be an odd say, choice for your day. Let's just say that someone is just so compelled by listening to Jim you Shields know? talk that hey. they listen to the podcast and have never seen it. restricted intelligence. Okay. What is Ian like? Describe him to us. Ian is... Um, he... He's that nice, sweet IT boy that should get out more. He he should. And man, man, did his mother try to get him out of the house, but he was he was too busy uh, with his. I guess that would be PS3. Would Back then, the yeah, yeah, PS3, about the right PS2. Time. Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't leave the house until till later. But uh, he's very good at his job. He's very uh, competent. Uh, which which has been lovely because uh, not all the characters you've written for me have been competent, and uh, I do I do 
take true joy in playing uh, the incompetent uh, fool, but every once in a while Ian will just like whip out technology save the just, day just, and yeah and that's that's another joy of playing Ian is uh, that you and uh, I'm gonna tell everybody at home they admit to this they give me a lot of the tech speak except for last season which they didn't yes you end up doing a lot of what Jim calls the heavy lifting and that like okay now we need a full paragraph explaining the actual rules that we want to oh, sh- sure. share with everyone um, stuff things <laughs> And words, and then sometimes you have sections that are meant to be just techno babble that don't have meaning. And I realized early on, like I needed to tell you yes. which ones were important and yes, which ones weren't, because you were learning all of them, every word for word, and figuring out what it meant. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, this part doesn't matter. This is just numbers that I strung together I'm and like, put mm-hmm. the word router in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Blah, 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 grocery bag, router, blah, 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 whiskey, stormtrooper, blah, 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 fishing pole. But yeah, so so again, the, the, the universe kind of grows and the story grows. Now tell me, you, you've been in, in IT world for a long time with this character, now going on four years of, true. of terrifying people about how easy it is to be vulnerable and be hacked. How has that affected you? I, I honestly, uh, it has completely changed my Wi-Fi habits. Uh, it has changed my password habits, um, how I keep my phone and everything. See, I don't work in an office. I am a contract worker because I'm an actor and I, I go from job to job to job. So I don't have um, much network experience, uh, except for when I was learning about it and the times uh, that I've, I've directed. Um, but even then... Uh, I, I remember coming in with little bits of knowledge, and I remember when we were on trips, like to the UK. I would look at you and I go, "Well, is, is that you know, is that the registered thing by the thing? Is that kind of password acceptable? <laughs> Have you validated that it's from a reputable source? Good you for know, you. They can just mine your stuff. I, yeah, it's made me paranoid. Thank you, sir. I'm just. I I'm, do appreciate. I'm that. S- making the world one secure, more secure, one paranoid actor at a time. It works, man. <laughs> If we just had larger casts, I would be making such an so, impact. So many people. So um, in this this season of of, of privacy, 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 privacy. Um, Ian also gets to stand up a little bit. Yeah, push back on Lionel, who's always been a bit of a bully. That was had to be kind of nice. Oh no, I always feel bad when I have to push back. No, it was very nice. It was, it was very nice. I like as I, as I said the the, the moments. Of Ian's competence and, and, and having a spine are, are, are a joy and a huge payoff after four seasons of jumping out under desks. <laughs> yeah. So what's it like working with Jonathan and Pepe, who play Jack and Lionel, and then, of course, Libby, who plays Chloe, the, you know, the, the, the central core of the British cast. You got to finally come over. They came over here in some pieces, and then you got to go over and involve with them. Yeah, no, it's a delightful family that <clears throat> is always really happy to see each other and they want to go out. And when they do, you know, after after a drink or two, everybody sits around talking about how lucky they are to know each other and all this fun stuff. And it's this, it's this wonderful, lovey, lovey cast. Um, it's like summer camp. It is. It is um, uh, I, I will say, as an actor... Uh, they're all really good, and so it's it makes you step up your game because uh, because because everybody's on top of their game and, and quite quite good and really good at what they do, and so you 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 
you don't want to be the one sucking in the back. <laughs> so you're trying. Well, so one of the reasons that people love restricted intelligence is that they get all of this collateral material and clip art and things that they can use yeah. to make posters and and all that sort of stuff. And there are actual life-size cardboard cutouts of you this is true. in businesses. Have you been recognized anywhere? That's my hope, my goal someday is that you would walk in and they go, wait a minute, are you Ian? <laughs> I have uh, when, we've, when we've gone from office to office and maybe filmed something in a different office and they, they, uh, they have the packages and that's, that's always wonderful. Um, I, as Ian, try to look as just just as awful as possible as uh, we're we're talking that's that's we, we shoot for the hair you wake up with um <laughs> that you run to the bathroom and you hide so your significant other doesn't leave you um we we picked you know the the biggest goofiest glasses to make my eyes look big and all that and and it's it's, it's actually uh <laughs> The kind of kind of character where if I have a zit, I can come in and, and it's fantastic. So yeah, you do get the least makeup of any member of the cast. It's wonderful. <laughs> Although I, he's getting a little more corporate now. Like it used to be t-shirts is. and the awesome hat. I loved the hat with I the little have, dangly I do things. Have the hat. We I still I still want to see that come back. But now he's he's in a tie. He's in the UK office. He's in the US office and has more responsibility. I've actually picked out the next set of glasses if he ever gets really competent. Oh. I, I, I have purchased and I have set aside a pair of confident Ian glasses should the day come and I, should the opportunity be, arise. I'm fascinated to know this, mm. and, and I am now thinking that we may try to find a place in... Or his twin. In, <laughs> his like twin. confident Ian, Nye. His name is Nye because that would be reversed. Nye and Ian, the confident version. All right, I'm going to think about that, but I may, I may work the glasses into this one. Because you have a presentation coming up that you're really nervous about and, and stressed, and I could see you breaking out the good glasses oh. for this presentation. Oh, and then all of a sudden he's all confident and stuff and like really rocks it, and then he takes it off, and he's just like, no! <laughs> <laughs> see, this is how the creative process works, folks. You guys are getting mm -hmm. to see it <clears throat> or hear it, I guess, live and in person and then recorded. And, <laughs> and not live. Over the not in person whatsoever. But, but still, I feel person. like you're here. I feel like I you're do. sitting in the studio with us, and we haven't met, so it's awkward and uncomfortable, but we're going to all just roll with it. But they've been very polite they've this been whole super time. super polite up until now. Wonderful. All right. Well, Ian Sinclair, thank you for your work and your thank service you, to the restricted intelligence cause, and thank you for coming in and sitting down with us for a few moments today. Oh, sure. So, privacy, privacy, the... New area into which we are boldly going where no comedy training awareness <laughs> video series has ever gone. Privacy. Restricted intelligence. A new special side project that Jim and we have been working on for quite a while. Yeah, it's, uh, this is great because uh, we're working with some fantastic industry experts on this to come up with a series that deals with personal information. Uh, and I like the tagline that we've come up with at the end of the new trailer, which says, this time it's personal. And I love all that. Uh, very, very cinematic. Um, this is in the restricted intelligence universe, but it's a bit kind of right. like the relationship. Lots of the same characters, lots of the same people that we've met yeah. before. Lionel is there, Jack is there, Chloe. Correct. Um, Ian, of, of course. But we meet some new people because it's it's kind of like a, a, a parallel universe to to what we've learned because we realized yeah. it was just kind of a different set of issues than we dealt with with Restricted, which was specifically information uh, security. Yeah. 
and 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 privacy is a related world but one of the topics we even cover in the thing is that it's not just an IT issue it's a different and broader issue to deal with privacy yeah it covers the life cycle of data and as it comes into a company uh, personal information particularly um, you know how we how the companies gather information databases email addresses phone numbers even geo locational information um, and all of that needs to be marshaled very carefully. It's very pertinent in Europe at the moment because in a year's time, the law, the new laws kick in that um, allow the agencies to fine up to 4% of your turnover as a corporation, which is huge. GDPR. That's GDPR. right. GDPR. General Data Protection Regulations. Uh, and As a that- matter of fact, we have a brand new teaser trailer talking about this new series if you look into the into the comment notes underneath this podcast you will see the link yes. to the new privacy train which mentions gdpr uh and and yeah. and how to explain it to us uh americans as well um but if you are out there listening you are one of the people who uh, subscribes to restricted intelligence who uses it in your company and and know someone else in the company that is in charge of privacy maybe you are in charge of privacy as well check it out spread the word this is the same great quality the same great comedy and and a new focus of information so if privacy is your thing or if you know someone who for whom it is send them the link that is below in the comments good idea rob and um this i'm excited about because this could be the end of spam as we know it so there just gonna drop that bomb right there no more emails talking about you know um enlargements for various parts of the body um <laughs> well i get those i don't know if you do hello this is me laying out to make it awkward for you <laughs> <laughs> thanks rob cheers buddy <laughs> that's what you need when you're broadcasting a real a real wingman <laughs> a real supporter yeah thanks mate uh yeah the layout is a key is a key topic all right, I think we have come to the end. That is everything we That's needed it. to accomplish today for sure. all of our fine podcast subscribers and listeners. Thank you for listening, for tuning in yet again. Tell your friends, yeah. change their life. <laughs> and uh, if you have any suggestions as to what you'd like to hear us talk about, whether you've seen some of our programs and you want to ask questions, uh, we'd be happy to um, avail you of our brains and our talent. Well, hopefully we won't leave it another well, I will six be months. Seeing- I will be seeing you very soon. We will be we will be shooting in Austin, in Houston, in the UK, all over oh, this yeah. year. So watch for crazy people running around with a camera crew in your city. It may be Jim and I. And yes. uh, Jim, good luck getting through everything you have to finish today. And you, all sir. of you, thanks for listening. Excellent. Cheers, guys. Take care. <laughs>